Hi everyone, welcome back to Pushing the Limits. Today I've got a special treat for you. I've got an amazing young man who I'm very, very pleased to share his story. His name is Josh Coman. He's from Greymouth in New Zealand. Uh, Josh was a top 800 meter sprinter before he got hit with cancer. And he tells the story of battling through cancer for the last almost 10 years now. Um, and it's an incredible, absolutely amazing story. So I won't give any more away than that. Um, but you will enjoy the interview, I'm sure. Now, as always, if you want to reach out to me, you can email me, lisa at lisatamati.com, or hit me up on Instagram. I'm very active on Instagram and Facebook. On Instagram, just at lisatamati. Um, and I just wanted to let you know that we've got a weekend running uh, retreat coming up on the 31st of August and the 1st of September. If you feel like joining us for a fantastic weekend to learn everything about running, and this is for absolute beginners right through to experienced runners. You'll all be catered for. Um, it's a small group and we take you through the latest in, in science and we teach everything from mobility work, strength work, uh, nutrition, mindset, you name it, we cover it in this weekend. We also have a wonderful gala dinner on the evening of Saturday and a run together, a run walk up uh, Tomata Peak in the beautiful Hawke's Bay. So if you don't want to miss out on that, We've got a few spots left. Come and join us. You can find out about it on lisatamati.com, which is my website and the hub for all things that we do. Right, over to the show now with Josh Coman. Well, hi, everybody. Lisa Tamati here at Pushing the Limits. Fantastic to have you back again with me this time. Gosh, we're getting way up there. I think we're at 100 and episode 109 or something at the moment, so it's fantastic. Now, I have a real treat for you guys today. Um, I've got a young man all the way from Greymouth in New Zealand. If you don't know where that is, you should. It's a pretty beautiful place. Um, and I've got Josh Coman with me. Now, Josh is a spectacularly amazing human being. He's had an incredible journey that he's going to share with you today. Um, but I'm not going to give it all away because I want it to sort of unfold. Um, this is really going to be worth listening to, guys, so I want you to pay attention and listen to Josh's story. And if at the end of it you don't feel like, shit, what's my problem? Get on with it. Then I don't know what's wrong with you. So, Josh, you're welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Lisa. Great <laughs> to so, be here. Been yeah, talking with the New Zealand legend yourself. You know, it's, it's fantastic to be able to talk to you, Lisa, really. Oh, mate. Yeah. I've been, I listened to you speak on a, a mutual friend of ours, Guy Lawrence, who's been on the podcast last week, actually. Um, I was on his show and he was telling me all about you and I was going, oh, I've got to have this guy on. And I listened to, the, to the, your interview and I was completely blown away with, with what you've achieved and what you've had to overcome in your life. Um, Joshy, so let's start with a little bit of background about where you, you know, grew up and stuff and yep. yeah, where you, we'll start from there. Yeah, no problem. So um, as you mentioned, I'm from the West Coast, the Hardy Greymouth town, coal mining and timber town, you know, it was built its foundations from there. So I grew up essentially in that hard, tough community. Um, it rained a lot and everything like that. So my dad was a hard man and, and he come from a hard background too. So I kind of embodied this hard image that I had to kind of live up to. Mm. Um, I was always a mum's boy, you know, mum looked after me a lot as a kid, but um. My dad, he, he definitely knew how to punish me, but also instill respect and gratitude in, into me as well at what I had. But hard work is essentially what Greymouth's about, about the coast. It's really a hard work, working town. So I really embodied that as a person um, while I was here. And, and I played a lot of sport, as a lot of coasters do. We punch above a weight in sport and stuff like that. And I played 
every sport I could do and, and I did did quite well with what I did, rugby, rugby league and basketball and things like that. And um yeah, so I was a sportsman going quite well, doing my things and then I had to really choose a sport which I wanted to do because um I was doing quite well with my running and I had to ask for a coach and Luckily, we've got some, we're pretty blessed in Greymouth. We've got some local legends, Eddie Gray and Dave McKenzie. Dave McKenzie won the Boston Marathon in 1969. And wow. Eddie Gray won the um, World Cross, oh, third at the World Cross Countries in 1973. So um, I got hold of them and they, they kind of got me into a coaching regime. And all of a sudden, my running started succeeding. I left school and I become a line mechanic, which is essentially quite a tough job. And I was a young boy at 17 and I got put in, to a group of quite hard working men and you have to work in all sorts of weather conditions and in the bush, you know, you're doing rigging up lines, you're cutting down trees, you're doing all this kind of stuff. And then in the nights I was doing an hour and a half of training. So I was really waking up early in the morning, working hard all day, 10 hours a day, then going running. So this was kind of my lifestyle for my 18th birthday. My dad got me a, a chainsaw. So this is kind of the person who I was, you know, it was <laughs> yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Work, 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 hard work. So I embodied that and here I was, you know, doing, doing very well under, under Dave as my coach and um, he got me to the point where I was, you know, the fastest 800 metre runner in New Zealand in 2011. Wow. Wow. So things were going really well for me and all of a sudden, you know, I thought shivers, you know, I could fulfil one of my dreams was representing New Zealand. So I had a goal of going to the Commonwealth Games and things like that and um, 23, 23 years old that year was just, I was just humming, Lisa, you know, like... Yeah. I was just in Powerful. fantastic form. And you know in yourself, you know, when you're ready, you're ready. So um, I was just lifting on to that level. I was going to win the national title that year. I had the fastest time recorded that year. And wow. um, sooner or later in that 2011 year, my, my body started deteriorating. And um, yeah, so it did start to deteriorating in March, March 2011. And then I, I, moved, I was in Christchurch at the time working and living there and, and I just, I moved home because I wanted to, I couldn't go to the New Zealand champs. So I moved back to, to Greymouse because I was going to go traveling because, you know, yep. I, I just tore ligaments in my ankle and things like that were going downhill. And so I entered in a, a bike race here in, in Greymouse called Round the Brunner. It's 136k. I couldn't run. So I thought this would be my last hurrah before I go away traveling. Yep. I did this bike race and I collapsed halfway and it, and like, I've never hit the wall so hard. I got on my bike and I, I pedaled up to the shop and I thought I was just low on blood sugar. I got a Coke and a, and a chocolate bar sat there. I was like, man, you got to finish this fucking race. You just got to yep. finish. And this is my mindset, you know, I just got to finish. Mm. And I just trudged and I finished dead last in this race, Lisa. You know, old wow. people were passing me. Yep. And I pushed the bike down and, and I said to my mum, I said, I'm never riding a fucking bike again. I was so angry <laughs> that I finished yeah. last. And here I was, this big athlete finishing last. And I slept for a week and then... I woke up after sleeping and I, and I collapsed at the sink Whoa. and my left eye swelled up and um, my brother brother got me and rang up the hospital. My mum come and, and got taken up to the hospital and then I got a diagnosis of acute myeloid leukemia um, in April. So you're 20, April. 23 yeah. years old, yeah. April of 2011. You've been at the top of your game in your sport. You've yep. been a hard-working, good young man, and then all of a sudden, cancer. Yeah. What, what the hell? So this was already quite late-stage cancer, wasn't it? It was quite already an aggressive yeah. stage yeah. of... of so me, explain a little bit about that. What the hell yeah. is going through your mind? As a me being young, young and dumb, you know, you put it aside. You know, my body had been t deteriorating for two, three months prior to that, and 
finally I had to get me to this point where I had to get hospitalized to get a diagnosis. You know, I was, and the doctor said, I probably, if I kept going the way I was, I would have had two to three weeks left to live. Oh, crap. Yeah. So finally we got on top of it. And like when I got the diagnosis, Lisa, my, my mum was just hysteric, you know, and I didn't understand the gravity of, of what this diagnosis was. I didn't really understand leukemia, but all I understood that I was hurting my mum. And I was, didn't want to do this to her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what am I doing? You know, why am I hurting my mum? What is this about? You know, and, and I just wanted to take the pain away from her. And yeah. yeah, so I got sent to Christchurch from that. And the doctor told me more details about my leukemia. I had acute myeloid leukemia. It was a fast growing, growing type of leukemia. And, and there were more to it. And, and my prognosis wasn't very good in the end. You know, yep. it come back with more results. And we, we underwent um, seven months of chemotherapy. Oh, crap. So now you're in the chemo cycle of, of hell. Yeah, yeah. But the chemo, I mean, yeah, it was tough. It was tough. It was definitely tough. And I haven't experienced anything like that. The first round of treatment was um, physically hard. My whole stomach lining stripped and, yeah. and um, my body started just wasting away and that. But the hardest thing for me, Lisa, was the, was the mental side of things. I was locked in a little isolation room for a month at a time while I got my treatment and only allowed out for a week. And for me, being so active and in nature, it was taken away from me. Yeah. And, you know, I was in this sterile environment. It could kill you just alone that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, I hated it. I hated being in where I was and I hated who I'd become. And this mental game I started to play, you know, was, was something that I wasn't accustomed to. And, yeah. you know, I was... positive and strong. And, yeah, you know. yeah. You had your goals and you were achieving them and, and you were just with your mates. But now you were in this place where I was weak I was pathetic I was enclosed in this sterile hospital environment and I just lost who I was Lisa and yeah. that mental thing just um just took me apart eh? so yeah so yes we had about two months of treatment and then as I said we're allowed allowed out for a week and I was not in a good space you know mm. I hated who I was I looked at myself and I seen a weak pathetic you know it kind of makes me um Mm. yeah it's tough and then yeah yeah, and I went how did you not do the obvious you know like how did you get through like that time that that week out and not give up and go fuck this I'm out of here yeah well this is the thing I was out that week and and then you know I was at that point where it always has its low points as you know in running things Mm. go and and I lost my mind and it was just like loser pathetic just a bombarding cascade of just negative emotion and I just thought fuck it I'm just taking my life and Mm. I just went over to this balcony and I and I and I thought you know we'll just end it I love jumping off heights and I love heights and I thought let's let's do this but then I feel it now as my mum this bit of wind hit my right side of the face and I turned my head around and I saw my mum's cup of tea and her love just plateaued into my into my heart and I just went back and I cried with hysterics and I just cried I can still feel where I put the um fingernails in my Mm. head and my bald head (laughs) through and I said just crying hysterically Lisa you know just and then finally me being a strong person I had to use my strength and ask for help so um that's what I had to do and luckily in New Zealand we've got amazing foundations such as canteen and things like that yeah yeah and I asked Asked for them and, and they hooked me up with a psychologist who, who's tried to get my thinking back to normal. He's tried to get, yeah, well, how the hell do you do that? That's, I mean, um, that's quite a nice, um, excuse for that bloody phone call. Someone's ringing and I didn't turn the damn phone off as typical way. No problem. No problem. <laughs> Brings at the crucial moment here. Um, um, I, uh, when I ran through New Zealand, I ran, ran through New Zealand for Canteen and for Cure Kids. And, cool. Um, 
which was which was pretty cool. And I had yeah. just as a brief aside, I had um, kids come out from canteen who you know suffering from cancer. And one one girl in particular, I remember very well. She was 19 years old, and she, she came over with me. She would stay with us in Picton, and she came over on the ferry with me the next day. And then I was off, and I said to her, "Oh shit, I got to go and run another 30 k's this afternoon," you know, because I was doing like 70 k's a day or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was knackered, you know, as you can imagine. After a couple of weeks, I was absolutely uh, yeah. stuffed. <laughs> stuffed. I thought I was stuffed. Um, yeah. And I said to her, you know. Uh, what 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 are you what are you doing this afternoon when you finish up with us? She says, "Oh, I'm going to have chemo," and I thought, "Well, that shut me up pretty quickly." <laughs> do you want to do you want to have chemo or do you want to go run 30k? You know, it was yeah. like get over yourself, you know. Yeah. And it was a real sort of wake up for me. Um, oh, typical, wasn't it? Um, you know that this was really nothing compared to what she was going through and I'm yeah. she, she lost her battle a few months later and we dedicated oh, this run to her eh? but oh beautiful I'm she was yeah she was a beautiful young lady and she was smiling and happy the whole time we were there you know yep. it was just a, a just a real a real shocker for me because I was just like you know no matter how much pain you're in there's always someone in a lot, whole lot worse who's smiling 100%. Yeah, there's always someone worse off than you. And, and, you know, I got that from my psychologist. And also, too, it was the fact that it wasn't me that wanted to die. It was just the situation that I was in that it wa- I wanted to die, you know, just that, yes. that pain situation. It wasn't me, essentially. Yes. It was just the situation. So yes. that kind of changed my mindset. And then I started reading different books about the concentration camp and things like that. And that really put my perspective into into reality. You know, people have been through wow. far worse than me and, and everything like that. So it's just like... I put it as a, as a perspective, isn't it? Everything. Oh, 100%, you know, yeah. 100%, 100%. So, so you got through, so then you had another five, mu- five months or so of chemo yep. after that, that, that yeah. low point. Yeah. And you'd started to work with a psychologist. You started to work on your own mindset and changing your mindset. Now, how, yep. how does that work when you've got, you must have as a young person anyway, mm-hmm. you, you have so much shit going on in your head usually, you know? Yeah. And you've usually got self-esteem issues. You've usually got some issues from childhood still hanging around. You've got, you know, <laughs> yeah. a few. Yeah, the psychologist definitely opened up that can of worms. So we kind of addressed a lot of things that went on in my childhood, especially maybe with my father and, mm. and things like that, you know. But, um, yeah, we, we talked a lot and things. And it was, it was just like basically going back to my running. I treated it as a race. And I looked out the window all the time. And sometimes I would pretend I would be that person walking in the wind and I'd try and feel that upon my face or I'd try and pretend to be a branch in the, in the, in the tree, trying to feel the wind and the leaves rustling and things like that. And I, and that really sustained me. And that's what I wanted to be back to where I was. And I just drew inspiration from my meditations, prayers, all these different things. And, and I did a lot of diary writing and stuff like that. And I told, told myself that, yep, I'm allowed to feel this pain. This is going to be short-term pain, but long-term gain. So get that emotion out and then we'll go forward. Get it out and go forward. So wow. don't suppress yeah. it. So it was all these little things that really helped me get through it. And finally, after seven months, we, um, we got to the end and I was allowed to go home. Wow. So that was your, that you, were, you were back home. Were you then in what, you know, what do they call that, remission? Are they called yep. it? Yeah, so I'm in remission. But um, there's a high chance chance for relapse, so I kind of knew that. But my first thing was to recover, and all of a sudden, my th- thoughts and thinking had changed again too. You know, I I really wanted to be by myself with my own thoughts and stuff, and I found it hard to relate to a lot of people because a lot of people my age wanted to go drink and party and all that still. But mm. I had different thoughts about life now. You know, I knew how short it was, and I knew what I needed to do. So I just wanted to spend time. So I spent that whole whole summer in the surf. I just went surfing by myself. If there was no swell. I just sat out there and just thought. Awesome. And, 
and, and just meditated and prayed and just did what I need to do, go for walks in the bush and just did simple little things for myself to really regain the strength that I previously had. And luckily me being young as a runner, I recovered remarkably well, remarkably well from that, you know, um, to anyone who is going through or hasn't, you know, your chances of recovery after of being physically fit are so much higher, you know, so. Uh, yeah, you've got you much chance, big, bigger chance of actually coming back from that battle. And I, um, yeah. funny that you say surfing, you know, like um, there's something about the sea, I think, that, that is healing. Eh? I mean, nature yeah. is healing anyway, but yeah. um, I know that they've done studies with, um, you know, um, vets from coming back from war who've got post-traumatic stress and they sit them in the sea and they go surfing two or three times a week is better than going to, you know, psychologists in, in some yep. cases because yep. there's there's something about nature and there's something about the sea is in particular i think that that helps us balance out our emotions and takes all the, the shit and um well, it's where we belong as humans inside nature you know we connect you know we live in a sterile environment these days lisa with computers and iphones and things and we think we live on that but humans yep. are supposed to be in nature that's where we're supposed to be and for me, the ocean was calling me and, and I just sat out there and, and just try to recover my body, which, which it helped amazingly. Yeah. So what, what happened then, Joshy? So yeah. you, you went from there, you, you, yep. uh, you, are in remission now. Yep. You, you, you went off overseas next, was it? Yeah. So I was in the surf and, and then I get out and I get a missed call from a mate and I ring him up and I said, what's going on, bro? And he said, um, Oh, I was just wondering if you want to come over to Nepal, go up to Everest Base Camp with me. And I was like, mate, I've just, <laughs> I just, I've just survived yeah, this thing, man. I just survived this. I'm not too sure, man, but this has been one of my dreams, you know, is, is going to Nepal and, and up to Everest Base Camp. You know, I've always had a fascination with the mountains and things. And, you know, so I was in there, I was pulling yes and no out of hats for like weeks on end. Should I do it or should I not? And, and everything. But in the end, I just said, you know, fuck, you just got to do it. So I just... It was in the surf and I just yelled out yes and I rang him up and I said, yeah, man, let's go. So wow. five months five months after my last round of chemo, here I was in the pool ready to trek up base camp, you know, and, and I wasn't the fittest I'd been, but still I was strong enough. As I said, I recovered really well, but still I had a lot of work to do. I didn't really realise the altitude thing and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It's fun, <laughs> eh? I've been up there. <laughs> I had a massive failure up there, actually. <laughs> there was that one that I was telling you about before that I oh, okay. trying to do the world's highest marathon and um, got altitude sickness and a lung infection up at base camp or just before base camp at Gorek Ship. Gorek Ship, um, yep. After a year's planning and uh, preparation, I was with this other guy who shall remain nameless because I don't really like him. Um, <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Doing this marathon together and um, I got sick six hours before the thing. And oh, I, knew, I knew at that stage I couldn't rely on him either. And mm -hmm. so um, after a year and a half, to cut a long story short, um, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, even, I couldn't even tie my own shoelaces at that point. And um, yeah. I was just so sick. And, and that was the end of a year and a half's preparation. So sometimes, oh. sometimes things go tits up big time. <laughs> sometimes do, but you come back stronger for it, eh? Yeah, yeah. I came back and reassessed life after that one. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, living life man yeah but back to your story so you got yeah. up to base camp and you survived there yeah yeah no i had a couple of couple of wee issues but it wasn't too much I, I stayed a couple of nights at little tea houses to get acclimatized and things but yeah no, i got up there with my mate and it was just uh such a fulfilling feeling lisa as you know you know yeah. you've achieved amazing things yourself but for me being in the hospital five months ago to be up there you know i was just like well you know i'm just so grateful to have this opportunity and all that 
pain, you know, that, that suffering for going up there was just a privilege to have because I knew what bad pain was felt like, you know, when my stomach lining got stripped and nightless encounters with piles and things shitting and spewing all the time and yeah. all that in the hospital. So I, and also too, Lisa, you know, you've been to Nepal and seen these Nepalese people, you know, when I went into Kathmandu, these, these people have absolutely nothing, you know, and, and, and I thought to myself, how privileged was I to be able to suffer in such good conditions in the New Zealand hospital system, you know, and, and it really just changed my perspective. You know, I, it was a privilege to suffer where I did. And I, I thought, you know, I had nothing to complain about. These people had nothing at all, but yet they would have these friendly, beautiful smiles on their face. And it just really, really just lifted me up. And I just had, I could not walk up there without a smile on my face. You know, I yes. couldn't. No, would, and the people, eh? they're just so resilient and tough. Oh, and amazing. What, what surprised yes, me was humans. just how strong these people were, like carrying our loads, you know, yes. for us tourists, if you like. Yep. Um, and they're doing this on a you know, day-to-day basis. And they're like huge. You see little 13-year-old kids with bloody almost refrigerators on their back, you know? No, like, I've seen one, one young dude, he, had a, he did have a chest freezer on his back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's just insane. Insane. Yep. And, and they, like, they smile and wave, hello, <laughs> you know. As if that's everyday normal and they're in a pair yep. of jandals usually. Yep. Or <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, like, it's just mental, that place. It's absolutely amazing. And the, yep. the, the Sherpas are the ones that, you know, the guys that take the guys up the mountains and stuff, up the actual you know on the eight thousanders are just incredible like yeah i mean they do why, so much work for them i mean and there's a lot of there's nothing for them you know like, yeah like, there's one yeah. guy we had there he'd been up on everest 21 times wow. and he would have been all of 30 or something yeah just and, and and who does anyone in the world know who this dude is no one nobody no one and that rich really, diamond collectors getting all the status back at home in new york you know it's like man they're paying people to go up there and these people just take their bags quietly you know and they're just so, such humble, kind, caring people that, yeah, you know, that anyone wants to get their life put in perspective, go over to Nepal and have a chat to them. You don't even have to climb up to base camp. You just yeah. have a chat to these huge, amazing people. Exactly, exactly. So yeah. you, got, you got back from there, Josh, and what happened then? Yeah, so I got back down and I had a few issues. I got the deli belly and stuff like that, as you expect, but all good. But I was feeling quite good, so I decided to hitchhike around um, Asia and stuff. So I went around to Southeast Asia and hitchhiked around thailand cambodia laos and slept in the jungle and had a had a bit of an adventure wow and i had um another dream lined up that i hadn't done um which was attend the new zealand skydiving school which we're lucky enough in new zealand you, you have a um diploma in commercial skydiving wow so, so um that was on my list to do and i wanted to do that so i got back in july went to the course and it was an eight month course and having the time of my life you know skydiving with my mates while the government paid for it i was like yeah sweet <laughs> how good's this you know from awesome. hospital to having all this and i was you know the feeling of skydiving was absolute freedom you know there was no hospitals no rules no one telling me up to what to do and i slowly got back into my running and all of a sudden i was you know i hadn't ran in about a year roughly a year no not a year probably 10 months and here I was running about 17 minutes for 5k again. You know, it's not fast, but Whoa. for a person that Kidding? I was like, you know, <laughs> this was my thinking at the time. I thought, man, there must be something in that chemo because Lance Armstrong, you know, he, he yeah. achieved all these Tour de France's and the drug scandal hadn't become out. Then I thought, man, that chemo, there's something in it, man, because my homeostasis <laughs> may have changed. You know, I was really like, oh, I'm going to be faster than before. Uh, <laughs> that's beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. yeah so, I oh, mean, yeah. 
yeah, despite what um, Lance Armstrong did in the end, you know, I find it remarkable that he did oh, you know, do what he did, you know. So, yeah, no anyways, so, yeah, so I was skydiving with my mates and having an absolute blast, you know. It was one of the best times of my life, if not the best. And um, and towards the end of the year, um, my body started deteriorating again and soon these purple oh, platelet spots on my hands started appearing and I got hypoxic at 20,000 foot when I jumped out. And, oh, and I knew my blood low, blood um, hemoglobin was low again, so I I knew something was going on, and I just waited. I didn't want the diagnosis. I just waited and got as much jumps in with my mates as I could, and I took my family skydiving um, and everything. And then finally, as my annual appointment came, I, I told the doctor he took the bloods, and yeah, sure, my my cancer had come back. So, yeah, it was, yeah so it was very serious this time. Um, I had no other options, but I had to have an allogenic stem cell transplant. So this part of the story when I heard wrong guys thing, I was yeah. just like, holy hell. So this sounds like hell on earth. What the hell is an allergenic stem cell transplant? So essentially, um, our hemopoietic stem cells, they come from our bone marrow. So they produce our immune system, essentially. So my myeloid stem cells that stem off from there were out of whack and couldn't, couldn't be done by the chemo. So I had to have a whole new immune system. So I had to have whole new stem cells from someone else, a brand new immune system. So... Yeah, so basically replacing that. So um, I had no other donor. Um, so I got a donor from Germany, a young girl. Mm-hmm. And the story to that's quite um, quite incredible too. So I had two months of chemo, and as as per usual, what you do. And um, on my last round of chemo, after the end of two months, I got neutropenic sepsis, which um, put me on a coma for ten days. And they told my mum and dad, you know, he's probably not going to wake up because I was neutropenic and I had sepsis, sepsis. So I was in this coma. I had no recollection of what happened. And amazingly, miracle, I woke up and here I was like bamboozled what happened. And then the doctor's first words to me was like, well, you've got two weeks to get ready for a transplant. And the normal protocol is from your last round of chemo, you get two months off to recover your body, get it in great position to be able to have this transplant because The treatment prior is absolute horrendous. They just kill off your immune system, kill your body to be able to get these um, stem cells into your body to repopulate and grow again. But I only had two weeks from getting on a coma. I was 52 kg. I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. I had tubes coming out of my throat, my my wrists, everywhere you could think of. And I was just this skinny little alien. Um, You can see pictures on my website. And um, I was like, what the fuck? How could, in my mind, you know, so all I could do was just sit in the sun, eat food and, and just pray and meditate and do all the things that I needed to do. And sure yeah, enough, two weeks came, came around and we sat down and had the treatment. I had this full body radiation combined with high toxic chemo. Oh. Basically just killed you, man. Like it's so much different to normal, normal chemo. Oh. And I just sat in this hospital bed, like in a semi comatose state, just, just sat there, laid there and the stem cells came and they took to my body but then from having these stem cells too you develop a disease called graft-versus-host disease so not everybody gets it but i was unfortunate enough to get it as well it's basically graft rejection yeah yeah Yeah. so it's graft rejection so that first three months i was in (laughs) i was in i could not eat couldn't do anything i was in the semi-coma state and they had my medical i had everything you could think of putting into me and i just laid on the bed just laid on shitting myself 20, 30 times a day, spewing up. Just oh, my body was completely getting rejected. And oh. yeah, I just, the only things I can kind of remember was looking outside the window, 
we're looking at nature and then I'd have a quick look and then my mum putting um this was the highlight of my day Lisa was mum bringing up um lemonade and I couldn't swallow it because of my yep. stomach yep. and I just put it in here the bubbles in my mouth and I tell you man was, I've never it was so it was so much pleasure yeah, yeah not even taste it but just that feeling of the snap oh, crackle pop you know the oh man yeah so life was just hell on earth it was horrible it's it, it was horrible yeah and and how, how did your mum cope through all this stage no oh, she's a resilient woman my mum i mean she wouldn't look it from the outside but she is she's been through a lot in her life I bet, yeah. and um she's seen a lot but you know loves the powerful thing lisa as you know and um my mum had a lot of love for me and she does what she needed to do to help her son Wow. And she fronted every day, man. Like she is an absolute champion, you know, an absolute angel. My book is actually dedicated to her, and you know, without my mum, I wouldn't. I know I wouldn't be here today, too. So she's been a big help. Man, mums are pretty precious, aren't they? I got. Oh, a precious, special, I, I got a precious one too that I'm very, very proud of. So yeah. we've both got um, very cool mums, obviously. Yeah. So big shout out to your mum. Say hello <laughs> from me. <laughs> um, yeah. I can't imagine going through that as a mum, you know, like that's pretty, that's pretty horrendous. Um, yeah. So then you, 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 you got through this couple of months, is it, in, in this hospital? Yeah, so three months in the isolation room, just no one in and just the doctors <sighs> and nurses, a couple of friends now and then. And um, then I was allowed out, but I had to spend basically that whole year in Christchurch. I had so many complications going back and forth and too yeah. much to talk about. We'll be here all, all yeah. week. Yeah. Um, but I was in and out for a whole year in Christchurch hospital with, chest condition you know just all these different things that just arise and i collapse all of a sudden i had anaphylactic reactions and yeah um, things like that you know. immune system that you'd, yeah. you'd and building that. building new antibodies i don't recognize anything so oh, yeah so finally i was just i was just a mess my ex-girlfriend she was you know i collapsed one day and she just she was chucked me on my shoulder because i was so skinny and just ran me over to the hospital you know all these little things that happen you can read about it in my book but um oh, man. just it was a horrendous time that year but that yeah. first three months was was definitely one of the hardest, especially coming off life support and then having the transplant at the same time. You know, I just it's amazing what the human body can go through, Lisa. To be wow, honest, wow, you must know. Wow, you must be freaking tough. Like on the inside, you must be like something else, like unkillable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like just so so strong. I don't. I think you need most people would have you know not not made it through any of that. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I you know, from being a runner and, and things like that, and going, you know, that you understand that physical stuff, but then that mental kind of edge that just comes, you know, it's it's a different ball game. Fighter, fighter, yeah. and you. So oh, okay. don't worry. There were times that I wanted to give up, man, but yeah. you know, it comes down to that love from from the people around you, you know. Yeah, you, you know, got those... something to live for, then you'll mobilize. It's having a strong enough why to keep going, eh? Hundred percent. Frederick I mean, Nietzsche, the famous philosopher, who he has a why can be at almost any how. And my why was my mum, you know, my the love for my mum, and yeah. Thank God for your mum, and and and, yep. and, that, and that's that's so true. I mean, with my journey, that the listeners yep. know that I've been on with my mum. She had yep. a annual. I don't know if you know the story, but she had an aneurysm yeah. three years ago and was left to she basically has. with no higher function. So, or, or virtually none. She had a couple of words. She had no memory. Like she didn't, they weren't expecting her to survive. She was in coma for, in and out of coma for three weeks. Massive you know, blood, brain yeah. damage. And she was left um, with no, no memory, no ability to control anything in her body. So she was like a baby, basically. Mm. And, um, you know, after three months of 
being in hospital, they said to us, look, we have to put her in a rest home. She's never going to do anything. We have to put her in a hospital level care facility. She's 24 seven care, 24/7. you know, and, and I just went, nah, nah, she's not going in no rest home. I'm taking her home and yep. you, you better get used to it. And they, the, that's coming out of my, my book. <clears throat> and, yep. um, yep. To just to fill you in on the detail, yeah, she, they they really didn't want me to take her home. They just said, "Look, there's no way you want to cope with her." And yeah. I, I I brought my two books in and I threw them at the social worker. And this is it. I said, "This is who I fucking am, and I'm not I'm not giving up on my mum." Good on you. And you better take you know you better give me the resources, which was we wanted caregivers and help with rearranging the house to get her back home and stuff. Yeah, uh, they still wouldn't do it, and I had to get my brother, who looks like the Rock. And um, he came up there and he said in no, unpl- no uncertain terms, you better get what my sister's asking for or you're in deep shit. <laughs> he looks like the rock, man. You're yeah. not saying no. Exactly. And so we got what we needed, which was yep. just caregivers in the morning and the evening. And like, like you, you know, like I'll do anything to help my mum. I don't give a yeah. shit. But, you know, like, like yep. when I, I'm a very nice person most of the time, but when it yeah. comes to defending my family, I'll do whatever it takes. Anyway, I got her home and then we did something called hyperbaric oxygen therapy, which I would like to talk to you about actually. Oh, we can talk about that later. I did a bit of that too. Oh, you so. did? Okay. And mum's story, because the listeners will have heard this all before. Yep. Yep. Um, three years later, she's now fully normal again. Far out. That's she's amazing. Now, yep. She's got her full driver's license, her full power of attorney. She's got no her way. full intelligence back. But I've worked every day with her for the 100%. last three, three and a half yep. years to get her there, you know, and Incredible, they said Lisa. she'd never do anything. And this is why your story resonates so much with me because people yep. who fight through all the odds and tell, you know, when yep. you've been told there's no hope and there's no way and there's, yep. and, and you come out and you, you, you don't bounce back, but you fucking come out fighting and you, you go, come out and you show yourself who you are and you yeah. go, look where I am at. Yep. Yeah. And you might be, that's amazing story. Lisa. It is a really cool story. Just I like you to this book. We're going to have yeah. to swap books, mate. Absolutely. Done deal. Done deal. Sweet. <laughs> so, but back to your story now. So you've come through this, Amazing. this massive stem cell transplant, which I've yep. just been studying all about the science of, you know, uh, the immune system and all this. And I'm like, yep. going, oh my God, that's, that's really insane. Yeah. What happens then, Josh? So I still got, yeah. So I had this graft is hosting still. So they had me on uh, medication, high dose immunosuppressants and uh, prednisone and stuff. So it, basically kept me stable for now and I was allowed back home and um, I didn't want to be around Greymouth and that because too many people knew who I was so I just wanted to be by myself to regain my thoughts so I moved up to Nelson and my auntie had a had a wee um, little holiday home there so I was lucky enough to be able to stay there and then um, I recovered up there with my ex-girlfriend and we stayed up there and just walked along the beach and did a bit of yoga and things like that not that my body would look like doing yoga but hey you know we we stretched most days and just did little things like that Mm -hmm. and I got a job at Nelson Boys and I worked up there as a house supervisor, which was good. You know, I had free accommodation and food and stuff like that. And, nice. Um, yeah, so it was a really nice time. And, you know, it was nice being around the young lads who didn't know me, but they were intrigued by my story and things like that to be able to give them some life skills and, and just what I've learned through my journey. Yeah. It was a nice time. And then my girlfriend, she went back to Germany. She was from German Germany. And um, I said, oh, I'll try and get over there at the end of the year. You know, she went over there to study uni. They get three yep. fees. So there was a good opportunity for her. And I said, hopefully I'm strong enough and I can get over there in the w- towards Christmas. So that was a goal. Got there and went over and it was winter. Oh, Very harsh. cold for me. And it was like minus, minus tens, mm. minus fives, you know. And it was just far too cold for me, Lisa. And I, would, I just wasn't ready. I was still oh. on high immunosuppressants and that. But you know, you just, you know, I love this girl and, and you do things. So, um, yeah, I got, um, 
pneumonia while I was over there, so I got <laughs> hospitalised and I had to get flown back to New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, and I was just gutted, man. Like, um, yeah, I pre- pretty sad, pretty depressed again, and things. And Clara was still over there and doing her thing, and then. I started to recover back here in New Zealand and I went to the gym and, and did what I needed to do to try and get myself ready to get back, back over there. But I was just trying to take my time, but she called up and said, Hey, I, I need you over here and stuff. But as I said before, you know, love's the strongest, strongest yeah. thing in the world. You know, it pulls you in kinds of directions, whether you're ready or not, you know, and I had to go over and, and do my thing there and, and just try for her. Yep. Um, she'd been there through my transplant and stuff like that. Yeah, so, she'd been there for you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I went over there and sure enough, she had changed as a person and things were a lot different and it wasn't a very good time. We don't have to go into detail with that, but no, I didn't no. get treated too good and anything like that. So my body, and I was very stressed out. So I tried to stay over there. It was about six months in total, but I learned German and I, that was cool. I could speak German. So oh, don't come back um, from Deutsch sprechen, right? Uh, Deutsch. Uh, <laughs> oh, do you speak Deutsch? Oder? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you speak I'm Deutsch sprechen for that long aside. My Deutsch is not so good. Oh, no, this is perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I learned that. That was cool. And, and But obviously, the stress of being over there really deteriorated my body. And, and this GVHD, the graft host disease, had flared up. So we broke up on not, not the greatest terms, but we left. Yeah. And, and I would come back a very depressed, heartbroken man. Yeah. And, you know, I, I the only way... I could fill this void. I didn't want to talk to a psych. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I was just, no one can understand what I've been through. Not even a psychologist, even though they've helped me. Mm. And I had this different pain inside me, this broken heart. And mm. I wanted to, the only way I could really help myself was, I know was go to into nature. So I don't know if you know, St. Angeles and the Nelson lakes. I wanted to go yeah. to the blue lake. It's in the clearest lakes. And I just wanted to walk there. And that would be my mini Everest. That was at the end of 2014. And I wanted to do that, but, so I went up there on New Year's and I was going to swim in the clearest lake to refresh myself and then yep. come back a new man. That was kind of the idea. Yep. So I walked up this hill. First time walking, my, my waist strap broke. I had the, all the weight on my shoulders. I trudged up the hill. My body started cramping up because this GVHD had been attacking my skin, my collagen, my fascia and all that. And it's gluing wow. my body together. It's essentially gluing on all the wow. pigmentation in my skin and stuff. So... I started getting these cramps and then it turned into like mini seizures in my legs. I couldn't walk. And, and if you could picture a, um, a dead sheep with its feet upside down, that was me at the top of the ridge. Oh, and no. I was stuck up there with my pack. And I was like, how the fuck am I going to get down? You know, and I'm in constant pain. My whole body's just like locked up. Man. And luckily I, I met this dude the night before at the lake and, and he, he was up there and he goes, man, what are you doing? I said, man, I need some help. And he, he was a strong, strong lad and he chucked me on my shoulder, chucked my backpack and walked me down. Wow. Awesome. And then, yeah. So I took him out for dinner, said thanks. And then I slept in my tent and rung up my mates and said, nah, my life yeah. shit, da, da, da. And, and then yeah. um, they said, oh, come down to Wanaka and, and come down there and hang out for a bit. So I talked to my mates and that, and that was cool. And um, my body was deteriorating slowly. Um, and then I got this pain in my face after New Year. And then I got hospitalized. My whole face had just, left side of my face just rotted right up. It was, it was shingles and it turned into post-herpatic neuralgia, which is trigeminal neuralgia. And the pain that I was suffering while I was in hospital was just unbelievable. I like, I thought I went through some stuff beforehand, but the pain that was, I was encountering in my face was just, I've just heard it's hor- one of the worst horrendous. Worst yeah, so it's ever. described as a suicide disease. This, yeah, and it's it, so bad. So bad. Twenty percent of people who get it take their life, and wow. I was 
back into Christchurch and I was just screaming, screaming, you know, I was on all the pain medication you could think of. Nothing's working. Nothing's working. And finally oh. I had to send me back up to ICU to get lignocaine, which is an anesthetic, which you get before um, an operation and things like that to try and numb this nerve or try and get rid of it. And finally it, it worked after the third attempt and, and things started, things started going better. And, <laughs> But I was just a mess because I've been on so much drugs like ketamine, yeah. morphine, lignocaine, uh, um, fentanyl, everything you can think of, and gabapentin and all that. And I was talking, I, I couldn't, I talked like this for like three months, you know, yeah, just talking because yeah, yeah. I had no control of my nervous system. Oh, man. Yeah. So finally, the pain subsided and um, my GVHD had flared right up, and the normal um, immunosuppressants and drugs I was taking couldn't control it. So um, I was. Got sent to sent to Melbourne to get treatment over there for this GVHD to try and kind of get it under control because it was just killing me, Lisa. It was like my whole body. I become like the Tin Man, like off the Wizard of Oz with no oil. You know, I was stuck. I couldn't bend over and touch my knees. You know, I was just my whole but shoulders are glued. Was glued together, so the collagen fibers. Yep. Was, so it's breaking down. Correct. Like, like aging on steroids. Correct. Exactly like that. Yeah. Wow. And I'll become this old man, you know, my pigmentation had, had disappeared from my skin and things like that. Wow. And, you know, I was just praying this, this treatment, this new treatment in Melbourne would really help me out because yeah, things weren't very good at this stage. Jeez. I can't believe what you've been through. You know, just, yeah. it's just like beyond the joke. Like when, <laughs> when do you get a break, man? When do you get a break? Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> crazy. It's just crazy. I can't even, you know, when I look back, you know, I kind of laugh at it. You just have to, but yeah. It's, yeah but it's, it's like, it's, you couldn't write this stuff. You couldn't make it up in a story, you know? Like no. no. Yeah. I mean, even, graphics host disease. What even is that? You know, like you, no, get a, yeah, you have a disease know. and then you get another disease from it, you know? So, yeah. So, um, so yeah. then, you were in Australia, mm -hmm. didn't you? Um, I think that's when Guy came on the scene and you met, or uh, you, you were going to one of the Wim Hof uh, retreats, is that right? Yeah. You were about yeah. to, you were about to, you heard about this crazy dude, Wim Hof, who yeah. many of you may have heard of. He's an amazing guy, isn't he? Amazing human, yeah. Amazing man. <laughs> and you thought yeah. maybe this is something for you? Yep, that's correct. So I got to Melbourne and, you know, six months started this treatment, things were going okay, but still I had this problem in my chest you know it was going on they did a lot of checks but they said oh it's nothing it's nothing that's fine cool so I carried on I was in constant pain and stuff like that but still there was nothing and I was really into holistic approach you know trying the best I could for what I what I had and everything like that and as you mentioned before I was doing this hyperbaric oxygen chamber stuff wow but this cool. was but this was for really for I've seen a lot of stuff about healing nerves and and helping the brain and stuff like that I knew it really wouldn't do much for my GVHD because I couldn't find any scientific papers, but I knew yep. it could help because I couldn't feel the left hand side of my face. Yep. I couldn't feel it. It was all numb from all that damage, that from the nerve damage. And like after what I did 70 hours, I could feel my face now, you know? Wow. Yeah. So the, the hyperbaric did its job and yep. it helped in, in, in certain, certain parts of the, the problem yep. anyway. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. It was great for that. You know, I can feel this left side of my face now, which is awesome. I hope everyone's listening to that because I yeah. preach about hyperbaric oxygen therapy as being, you know, mum's saviour. Yeah, um, yeah. Big part of her therapy. So yeah, I, I'm a true, true believer. I actually opened a clinic here with the hyperbaric chamber, which I've, I've sold now, yeah. uh, the, the, the company. But um, 
uh, yeah, people that, you know, if you're suffering from cancer, if you're suffering from heart disease, just go and check it out. Do your research, find out about it. Yep. Do your research, check it out. If it resonates to you, go for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, okay. Yep. So, there, yep. so you, now you hear yep. about this Wim Hof. Hof Wim Hof, yeah. And I get into the Wim Hof. I'm doing the Wim Hof method. And then I hear he's in Melbourne. So I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to go see this dude. I've got to go on this retreat. And I'm so excited because this method's really helped yeah. me lift me out of this depressed state. You know, I've been doing cold showers and, and mm. breathing and that. And, you know, I'm feeling good inside myself, you know, and, and things are changing inside myself mentally. So went down to the retreat and meet a couple of great people. Wim comes in, has this great speech. And the next day we wake up and we're doing this ice bath and meditation and that. I'm like, yeah, let's go. So we get in there. There's a whole group of boys. We, I get into bed. I sleep. And I wake up about maybe six in the morning and all of a sudden I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> You're literally having a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. I was, this tingling in my chest turned out to be this um, heart attack. And then I couldn't not get out of bed. Like I was in so much pain in my chest and I, and it took me like about 40 minutes to ask for someone to help me. Cause I was like, in my mind, I'm going through this meditative state. Come on, man, just relax. You'll get up, you'll get up. It will pass, you know, cause I've yeah, had yeah. so much experience being in yeah. pain. Yeah. And like everyone knows there's a difference between having a heart attack and cardiac arrest. You know, I was, it was just restricted blood flow to my heart. I didn't fully go into cardiac arrest. So I was there. And then finally I asked for so help. You're trying, like, to, please, you're please trying help to psych me. yourself out of a heart attack. Yeah, correct, Lisa. <laughs> correct. You know, <laughs> and, and, and yeah. Good, and then, good on you for trying. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, you have to. And then, um, I sing out for help. And then as we talked about the man, the myth, the legend, um, Guy Lawrence, you Another know, he comes guy. up and yeah. puts his hand on, on my left-hand shoulder and he goes, I'm calling the ambulance. You're going to be okay. Let's breathe through it. Talk me through some stuff. Kind-hearted soul. I didn't even know his name at that time. Ambulance came, took me away, took me to Geelong Hospital, had more heart attacks, took me to Peter McCullum Cancer Center. Where I was getting treatment where they knew me, had more heart attacks, went to the cardiac unit in Royal Melbourne Hospital where I spent 20 days there, Lisa, having... Oh maybe a handful more heart attacks before they did something to me because they didn't know whether to give me a heart bypass or stent my left main artery. Mm. And due to my disease, you know, I've had epithelial cell damage. So the epithelial cells in my, in my arteries have been damaged due to my skin and stuff like that and this yeah. GVHD. So they didn't know what to do. And finally, after this massive heart attack, you know, it turned the ECGs all upside down. And they said, no, nah, we're taking him to the lab and we're just going to give him a stent. You know, um, yeah. it's too risky to cut him open due to his skin and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. And then finally I got out of hospital and, and um, yeah, pain, pain gone. But still this GVHD had flared up again because of the stress. Yeah. Of the and whole, I had to go back into intensive treatment. Oh, man. So this GVHD thing just really keeps coming at you. And yeah. And at you and at you. Well, they can't take the immune system away again. You know, I've got this for life. So you've got this. So that problem you have now forever and a day. It can. Oh, I hope it can. It can die down. It can yeah. die down, which it is doing now, which we can get to. But um, so anyways, back to the Wim Hof, and then I messaged Guy Lawrence. Yep. I messaged with it. There was this big group chat, and I said thank you to the man who who rang the ambulance and helped me out. And he said, oh, that was me, you know, Guy. And he said, oh, here's a podcast of the of the retreat. And I listened to it and he was talking to this man, Dave O'Brien from his establishment called Fifth Element Wellness. Yeah. yeah he was okay. talking to this holistic way, man, but he was talking like a doctor. And I've heard of so many diff doctors terms. You know, I, I knew how to read bloods and stuff. And he's talking about monocytes, basophils, acetophils, yep. neutrophils, all these things, dopamine, serotonin, you know, and I have to be, have a scientific approach into a holistic approach. This is just who I am. Yeah, me too. And, yep. Yeah. Yep. And yep. he starts talking. I'm like, man, I've got to see this guy. I've got to go yeah. see him. So I went down. <laughs> 
and I'm in this depre- like desperate state. I just need help. I'm doing my treatment, but I need, I need more. I just need more because too much stuff has been happening to me. I needed to take control. And here he was, we sat down, he talked to me for two hours and I said, yeah, this is the man who's going to really help me be that side part of my treatment and um, set me up with the macronutrient plan, supplements, meditation, cold therapy, hot therapy, um, heart math, meditation, all that kind of stuff. And um, my body just really responded and I got stronger. I got stronger, but slowly changed. We did gut protocols. We did three or four gut protocols, which took 16 months. Wow. And um, changed my gut bacteria. Yeah, I had no um, bifo or lactobacillus bacteria. Now I've got them and and my body just grew stronger and supplement with my treatment, you know. Wow. So that was what, three, nearly three years ago. Oh, I've got to meet this Dave guy. Yeah. (laughs) He sounds awesome. He's a great dude. He's, yeah, his knowledge is absolutely incredible when it comes to the gut and hormones and things like that. Oh, I've got to get him on the show then. Yeah. Yeah. But it'd be a very, very analytical <laughs> chat, Lisa. Trust me yeah. on that, man. Yeah, well, I'll try and keep up. I, I, I probably won't be able to, but I'll, I'll do my best. I, I study yeah. all the time, all this sort of stuff. I'm yep. trying to jam-pack as much information into my head so that I can help other people and help my family. And Yeah. Um, this whole, because this whole, this whole journey, the well, one we've been on, is really mm-hmm. do not rely on just allopathic medicine. 100%. You've got to yep. look. I mean, we need it. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't be here without it. However, we've got to look at the other sides of things, and we've got to look at the whole mind-body connection stuff. We've got to look at the, um, you know, the whole holistic approach to things, the gut health, the, the, you know, all of that aspects. So, yeah, big proponent of that as well. Um, They go hand in hand together, you know. I'm not demonizing the medical profession. They've done amazing things for me. Yep. But they've also done not so good things. But I need to heal that what they can't, you know. Yes. So I had to take I had to take my initiative and use use what I needed to know and do and be responsible for my health to go get extra help. This is the this is the, the one of the key themes of that I try and get across is that people take responsibility for your own health. Yeah. Don't don't you know live the whatever lifestyle you think you want to live, not exercising, eating rubbish, doing this and doing that. And then expect a white pill to come along and fix you. you know, the doctor. No, there's no silver bullet, Lisa, and, and I, I definitely know that. There's so much stuff that you need inside for yourself to be able to be the best human that you can be. Yeah. And you know, I needed some. It wasn't just you know gut protocols. It was meditation. It was cold therapy, hot therapy, and also too the people around me. I had to acknowledge them again, and they're the foundation of health. You know, the people around you that pulled me that way. You know, guy there all yep. these wonderful people that had a, such a pivotal part to play in my health and reclaiming my health. And, and now three years later with the treatment that I've been doing, I've just got back from Melbourne on Monday and I yep. catch up. So that week looks like treatment. Then I go see Dave at fifth element. Then I train out, work out with my trainer, um, Anthony uh, Messino, who's an amazing man, amazing trainer. And they like, because I was so used to running and having that running background, that's all yep. I kind of knew. And I knew a few exercises in that, but I didn't really have, what Dave knew about the body and stuff and how to kind of unravel this tight body and and do the movements and exercises I needed to do. So, yeah. So it was just incredible. Yeah. So now you're, how old are you now, Josh? I'm 32. 32. 23 and I was diagnosed. I'm 32. I turned 32 last month. Fantastic. Congratulations for getting there, mate. Yeah. (laughs) And here's to the next bloody, uh, you know, 80, 80 years ahead of you. That's, that's going to be, you know, like hopefully yeah. with no more problems because you've had a lifetime's worth of problems in, in 10 years. Oh, um, you know, every day is a birthday for me at the minute, Lisa. You know, I wake up yeah. every morning with a heart of gratitude of, of, you know, just being able to have a, another day of opportunity to do what I need to do and, and maybe help other people and, and, and experience yeah. another day of living. 
you're doing it. And I think you, you mean the reason you've been through this or one, or the way that you're going to make this turn this into something great is to do what you're doing, getting your book out there, talking to people so that people can hear your incredible story so that it gives us perspective on what we are capable of. It gives us perspective of, the shit that we think we're going through mm-hmm. um, and it gives us a new way of looking at things because I'm really a believer that perspective is, is, is everything. Like we can heal our body with a different perspective. We can change the way we see the world. We can be grateful. We can forgive. We can, you know, all of these things is just a matter of shifting our whole perspective on things and hearing stories like yours you know, just reminds to me again uh, of, you know, just shifting my perspective a little bit and making me think, you know, it's not that bad. You know, I'm having mm-hmm. a down day. I can think about your story. I can think about, you know, yep. mum's story and other people um, and fight a little harder, be a bit stronger, take on a bit more, you know. Yep. Um, so you have a book out, yep. Josh. Tell us about the book. Yep. So I've got a book called um, The Wind at My Back. It's here. There you go. Yep. Wind at my back, which I yeah. Read. So basically, yeah. So uh, yeah, we're going to swap books. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So it just tells the journey that I've been on. So if I can um, just go back to the, getting back to fifth element, then all of a sudden my health comes back, and I'm sitting on a plane list. This is the best start of the part of the story. Tell me, it's the best part. You know, this is I'm a true believer. It sounds cliche and all these stories, but over the, these stories over the years have always replicated this. You know, short term pain long-term gain you know you've got to persevere you've got to continue you've got to be um you just got to keep going keep going keep going and it's essentially what i did and finally you know i got the got the gold at the end you know and i was on this plane trip to melbourne for my treatment and i sat next to this girl and she was from switzerland and i sat down next to her and i said oh how are you going and she replied to me oh good good she goes what are you doing and i said oh i'm going over to see my brother you know i don't want to tell tell get into my life story and that she goes Oh, I'm just backpacking, been in New Zealand, talked about how beautiful the place was. And then I asked what she did for a job and she was an oncology nurse, a cancer nurse. So I told her about my treatment and what I've been through and stuff. Yeah. And then um, I said, oh, I told her my treatment. She goes, oh, I've never heard of it. And I said, oh, do you want to come and see it? <laughs> and she's, she's like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, yeah, you sure? You're, you're backpacking and you want to come see a dude get cancer treatment, you know? <laughs> and I didn't think she'd turn up the next day, but sure enough, she was down at my apartment and, um, she came with me and it was the first time ever, Lisa, to this day, I've had over 150 treatments there. The first time ever it's been delayed. It was at 10 a.m. and it got delayed to 1 p.m. So she had the whole morning to talk to me and hang out. Wow. And, um, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, um, she come and seen it and that turned out to be our first date. And all of a wow. sudden we spent the week together. We kissed at the end. She went traveling. She rung up saying, Hey, I want to come over to Greymouth and see it. She moved over here and saw how beautiful it was and all the, the sea, the ocean, the bush, everything's so accessible. And, and yeah, the relationship unfolded. So we've been together about two and, two and a bit years now. Beautiful. That is and, so um, beautiful. Yeah, I engaged, I got, we got engaged at the start of the year in April. April. Oh, lovely. That's yeah, awesome. up in, um, on Jungfrau Jolk in Switzerland, on the top of the mountains up there. Oh, crazy, really? You yeah. Wow. So you yeah. all over there. Oh, that can get such a beautiful... It's such a beautiful story. Yeah, so here I am with Sibs, you know, and, and like having her, Lisa, I mean, she's been the catalyst to my health, really. I mean, I talk about these other things, but that love factor that we go back to, yeah. how you fought for your mum, you know, we do amazing things for love and, and love does amazing things for you. And mm-hmm. she has just, no, and no doubt, turned my life around, you know. She oh, what is, a beautiful lady, eh? She's absolutely wonderful. She calls me out on my shirt. She helps me keep going forward. She's just, 
an amazing human that's just enriched my soul and just made me the person who I am today. And this year, Lisa, has just been an absolute turnaround. You know, I couldn't have dreamt I've been in this position right now, even having a chat to the famous Leah Satamati, you know, and, you know, it's, it's just crazy what's happened. You know, all these things, I had an interview with Duncan Garner and, you know, it's wow. just, you know, so, you just, you just can't even imagine me being here and, and, you know, I've put on like 10 kg and my awesome. body's getting stronger and, and, you know, I'm just so, so grateful to be here, be able to talk to you and share my story and, and, and just have the opportunity to live for another day. Josh, you've got a huge future ahead of you. I think, uh, uh, you know, to those who have been put through hell, there's a lot of, you know, there's a reason. I do believe there's a reason. You know, it's, nobody wants to go through shit like this. But, no. you know, as, as our friend Guy Lawrence says, no pressure, no diamond. Um, and I think, you know, you have a, an amazing story that's going to change the world if you can get that story out there massively. So I want everybody who's listened to this podcast <laughs> to share this story, share this, this, this podcast, share um, Josh's book, buy Josh's book, go in and buy it. Don't borrow it from somebody, buy the bloody thing because you need to support these people who are doing these sort of things. Because you and I know, Josh, how hard it is to get a bloody book out. Oh, it's tough, Lisa. It's, it's not as tough, tough as what we went through, but hey, it's still as tough in it's itself. It's a close second. It's <laughs> <laughs> a close second. Oh, second. People don't realize, oh my god, oh, maybe if I leave my clothes on the floor and Sybil's telling me off, that's that's pretty tough, too. So, <laughs> no, so people, yeah, go out and share the story with as many people yeah. as you can, take it to heart what Josh has got to teach because he's got lots to teach and you've got lots more to do that's going to come out of you in, the, in the, the years ahead of you. I can't wait to hear you know what you do with your life now because it's going to be big, whatever it is, it's got to get out there. Thank you, um, Lisa. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the show, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about your, your journey as you get stronger and fitter and healthier, and all the learnings that you have now doing with um, Fifth Element and, and everything that you've learned from Guy and Wim Hof and all of these things. We're definitely all on the same plane there. So, um, Josh, would you like, is there any last messages before we wrap up today that you'd like to share with people? Um, just maybe, maybe I like quotes. I'm a big fan of quotes, Lisa. So maybe a quote from um, a great philosopher, Frederick Nietzsche. Mm-hmm. To live is to suffer. To survive is to find meaning in the suffering. Beautiful. Love yeah. it. So Love it. That, that would be me. And um, God bless everybody out there. Thank you for listening. And, and remember, too, it's, it's a privilege to be alive, you know, and we've got every day, every opportunity to come at us. And, and we can live a year and a day, you know, we can do so much within ourselves. And for me, waking up every day, and it's my responsibility to live the life I've lived because I know so many people have lost it with yep. what they've been through in that. And, and it's my responsibility to live the best life that I can do with the opportunities that unfold for me. So yeah. thank you, Lisa, for very much for having me. You know, I'm very privileged to talk to you. I've I seen you on the documentary a while ago and I thought, man, that she's an animal. She's a beast. You know, I'd love to have a chat to her. And here we are having a chat, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm you know. so totally average, bro. You have no idea, but um, it, it's, you know, like I think one thing that you take, take away from the show is gratitude and love are the most powerful um, states of being in and when yeah. you can tap into those you can heal a lot of hurts you can overcome yeah. a lot of problems and you yeah. can galvanize powers and healing powers within you and this is why i'm positive for your future as well is that you've now you've worked through probably a lot of emotional crap that you obviously went through as a young man maybe that has had something to do with what you've been through who knows um but because you're so grateful because you're so loving and because you've got you know things to live for that's that sets you up nicely for the future you know 
because you're positively influencing your immune system, regardless if it's not your own. You're still, like now, positively influencing it. Yeah. I really believe that. Um, so I'm going to take so many lessons away from today. Thank you, Lisa. <sighs> thanks, Very, bro. Thanks this for the kind been, words. This has been awesome. And um, we will be hearing from you again. I'm going to get you back on in a year. and We'll get you and your, 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 your young wife uh, on perhaps together. <laughs> telling yeah. us uh, how you're doing. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fantastic, Lisa. Thank you very much for having me today. It's been a huge privilege and um, keep doing what you're doing and spreading the message. Awesome. Thanks, mate.